morning, my name's David, as Nathan's introduced me. Um, coming from Leeds, a term like feedback is a great compliment. I've been called a lot, lot worse than, than that. Um, this morning I'm continuing our series um, on the book of Judges, which we are calling Flawed People, Faithful God, as you can see um, there. And this morning I'm looking at, um, we're still on Gideon, so this is Gideon part three. So we're looking at Gideon and then his son Abimelech, and then a couple of other um, two minor judges that, 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 that come after that. And it's called, um, the, the title for this morning is, just want to flip on Mark? Yeah, you're going to have to do this rather than me, thank you, because I can always, always forget. Gideon Abimelech ruling as kings. Um, God told Israel not to have kings, but they behave like kings. A bit more of that as we um, go through the story. And the judges that we've been looking at this morning are not, uh, legal judges deciding legal cases, as we might think of judges, but leaders of the different tribes of Israel that had gone in and occupied the land that God had given to them. There were people raised up for a specific task given to them at time, perhaps with the exception of Deborah, who Jenny spoke about a few weeks ago. She's an exception to this. Uh, she is, she's referred to in the book of Judges as deciding disputes, interestingly, for me anyway, under a palm tree. And that, I find that quite interesting because that's the kind of working from home that I would just love. <laughs> so instead of, what is it? I'm going to struggle to get this right. W-F-H, it's W-F-P-T, okay? So working from palm tree. But the trouble for his working from palm tree, as Karen and I know, is that, and if you Google this on Wikipedia, around 150 people a year are killed by coconuts falling from palm trees. <laughs> Who knew? You get a real education coming to here to Gateway on a Sunday morning, or maybe not, depending how you view it. Um, the story so far, so Mark, can you just flip up that story, uh, that cycle? So there's, it's often referred to by a lot of the commentators about judges, is just there's this constant cycle. Starting at the top, Israel serves the Lord, is in a good place. Everything's going well. They've occupied the land, doing well. And then they fall into sin and idolatry. They get the influences from um, the lands around them. They were told to drive out those people from the land. They didn't, and they're influenced by them. They become enslaved. Um, they forget God. They take on the influences of the lands around they then suddenly wake up and think, ah, we need to come back to God. They cry out to the Lord. God raises up a judge. And we'll, I'll just recap some of the ones that we've had so far. So a judge is raised up. Israel is delivered. Great, we're in a great place again. And then we go, they start serving the Lord and the cycle continues. And the cycle, as we're going to hear as we continue through the book of Judges, it's a downward cycle. And a bit more about uh, that this morning. It is not... Uh, a, 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 good, a good story. So far in this series, if you can just flip over, Mark, hopefully that will come up. We've got some uh, little pictures there to remind you who we've had. So top left, we've got Ehud. Um, then we've got Deborah. And then uh, sort of moody-looking uh, Gideon down there in, uh, in, in Gideon's 300. So the first one... Um, Ehud, they cried out to, to, to God for a deliverer. Um, they were subject to Eglon, who is the king, who is described in the Bible, this is not me, as a fat man. Doesn't actually look that uh, plump in that particular uh, the, the, the picture, but there we go. So Ehud was raised by God. Remember the left-handed man with his, 
See how he's got his weapon in his left hand and he kills Ethud. And I've named this, this particular story um, The Left-Handed Man and the Bad Smell. Because I think if you read it, if you if you've not, not, haven't got a clue what I'm talking about, go and read the story. It's a fascinating story. It could be the title of a book or a film, but it'll probably have a certificate 15 because of the violence. After Ehud, there was 80 years peace in the land. So remember the cycle? There was delivery by God and then peace. And then we go on this cycle again. Ehud died. Israel um, became evil again and went away from God, forgot about God, gave him second place, third place, no place in their lives. And then we then Deborah uh, comes along. This time, um, the king that's ruling over, that has uh, dominance over the land, is King Jabin and his commander, Caesarea. Deborah's in leadership, sitting under a palm tree, remember, gets a word from God about victory given by God and tells the commander at the time, Barak, he gets this word. He's not very confident, wants Deborah to go with him. And God, in his grace, removes Caesarea and Jabin. Now, this one particular one is what I've entitled the story of the mallet and the tent peg. So that's my, this is the sequel to The Left-Handed Man and the Bad Smell. But this time, it's got a certificate 18. It's very strong violence. Somebody ends up with a, a tent peg through their head. Anyway, you need, if you don't know what I'm talking about, go and read the story or plug that into your YouTube and see what you get. The land then has peace for 40 years. Remember the cycle, delivery, and then we have peace again. And then what happens? The Israelites sin. They're dominated by, this time, the Midianites from the east. Remember that, 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 uh, that rap that we had about Midian? I'm not going to have a, have, have, have a go at that. And then God raises up our man this morning, main man this morning, Gideon. So I think, Mark, there's a map, just sort of a couple of maps that sort of try and give you an idea of the land that we're talking about. So if you can find your way through to a place called Ophrah, which is sort of, that, that line running down the middle is the River Jordan. So west of the Jordan, you've got Ophrah. To the east, you've got where um, all the baddies are coming from, the Midianites, and they are running rampant uh, across Israel. God raises up Gideon. The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Do you remember he was hiding in a wine press? Gideon initially runs a mile in his thinking, thinking, ah, leave me alone. I don't want to, uh, you know, don't disturb me from where I, am, where I am. But then he obeys God. He's called by God to tear down his father's altar to Baal and Asherah. And I'll just talk a little bit about that. I think um, when John introduced this series right at the beginning, he talked about uh, Baal and Asherah. So a little bit about that, a little bit of a reminder if you've forgotten. Baal was a fertility god, worshipped because it was believed he controlled the fertility of the land in relation to the crops and, and people in relation to having kids. So Baal was worshipped. This sort of worship was rooted in sensuality, involved ritual, prostitution, and just horrible things, sometimes human sacrifice. This was the influence which the Israelites were under. This is what God told them not to do. And then Asherah was a goddess, and there was this Asherah pole. Um, so they were influenced by, by all these type of things. 
And the interesting thing about this is it was right in Gideon's backyard. This was his father that used to control what was happening in relation to these um, influences. Gideon obeys God's request, says, yeah, I'm going to do this. He tears down these symbols of pagan worship, as God told him. Um, and and this, was, this was Gideon's background. You know, this was his sort of heritage. You know, he grew up with all this around. But he, he, he came out of this. He destroyed those symbols. And then, if you remember the, the story, he was given great military success. So the, 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 the army were whittled right down to 300 and defeated this Midianite army of 120,000 because of God's presence and his power. God used a weak man hiding in a wine press. And this is where, that was where Nathan, Nathan finished last week and he reminded us um, it was God's power. It wasn't, wasn't Gideon, it was God's power that gave them military success. And this is where we pick up the story this morning. We're in Judges chapter 8 and I'm running through to Judges chapter 10. So there's actually quite a lot of content this mo- there this morning. I'm not going to read it all. Uh, if you want to know the story, if you want to look into all the detail, there's a lot of um, little sort of sub-stories and subplots going on. If you want to uh, pick up on those, sometimes worth looking up, looking up on uh, YouTube clips um, and, and rereading the stories before uh, Sunday morning. But we're going through from Judges chapter 8 to Judges um, chapter 10. But I think this morning I've got maybe caught the, the, the short straw because we're going downhill. So Gideon has, has done so well so far, they're going downhill, and they're going downhill big time. Um, sort of, I'm trying to think of what's an example. I used to go cycling uh, quite a bit, and the, the first hill that you come to when you get out of York, obviously you know York is, is, is so flat, is Terrington Bank. So I'm, I kind of imagine that we're in this sort of story, we're cycling up Terrington Bank, which is quite a hard... Uh, climb. We're on our bikes and we get to the top of Tarrington Blank and we're feeling quite pleased with ourselves. And then we sort of do a bit of a U-turn and decide to go da- back down Tarrington Bank. So in terms of the analogy of this story, we're going down Tarrington Bank and about halfway down, our brakes fail. So we're going down Tarrington Bank, our brakes are failing and we're going to crash and burn at the bottom. Spoiler alert. To get, you, get a sense of how bad we are going down this morning, a couple of bad jokes uh, to sort of get you in that theme. What does a judge have in a cold drink? Just ice, okay, justice, yeah, all right, okay. What kind of suit does a lawyer wear? A lawsuit. Two bad jokes to go with a bad story. So you're sitting there this morning thinking, what are you talking about, David? What on earth are you going on about? What has this got to do with life in York? in 2021. I've got another little analogy here. So my, my car's got this something called keep, uh, lane keep assist. Let's get it right and read my notes. Lane keep assist. I don't know if any of you have got that in your car. It's very clever. And it's, it, it does what it says on the tin, that if you start to drift out of your lane, which I'm sure none of you ever do when you're driving, it somehow applies this sort of automatic correction. You sort of feel the steering wheel but, um, steering you back into your lane. So quite clever, isn't it? So before I realized that my car had this in its box of tricks, I only had something called KDA to keep me right. So now you're thinking, what could KDA possibly be? And KDA sitting down here, Karen Donking 
assist to help me keep in my lane and other things while I'm driving much more effective. And yes, I do need KDA assist while I am driving. Anyway, why am I talking about this? Can you put up that, the first verse, Mark, please? Okay. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting. So my correction in my steering, the word of God is useful for correcting. And that's what we're going to look at this morning. And training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. The Bible is there. We read these stories. They're there to keep us on the right track. And another verse, Mark from Corinthians. Um, so in my Bible, this is entitled, I think it says, Warnings from Israel's History. It's talking about things from Israel's history. These things happened to them as examples and were written down as warnings for us on whom the fulfillment as ages has come. So if you think you're standing firm, be careful you don't fall. I said that last bit quite in that way because it was a song that we used to sing years ago and that was the only line in it. If you think you're standing firm, be careful you don't fall. And it sort of imprinted itself on my memory. A great, a great verse. So these, these it's there. These, these things, we learn from these people's lives in order to help us understand and, and, and for us as, as believers. And I was just sort of thinking about this in, in some ways and about Gideon. And, and I, I, did he ever wonder that like all these years later I would be stood up here on a Sunday morning looking at the detail of his life and how it might apply? The, the scriptures inspired by God's Holy Spirit. Just imagine if someone to, were to examine your life in like a few hundred years' time and, and, and they said, oh yeah, David Duncan, he was... He was going so well until that time when he got those three points for speeding on the uh, A64. And then it was all downhill from there. Just imagine that. So I kind of, I, I feel like you need to sort of cut these guys a little bit of slack because they're just human beings and their lives were interrogated. Imagine if our, if our lives were interrogated uh, like that. So this morning we've got four judges that we're looking at. We've got Gideon right at the sort of peak of his popularity in victory, then follows his his son Abimelech, his name actually means my father is king. He was one of 70 sons. He was 70 sons. I'll talk about that in a minute. And then there's two smaller uh, references to two judges, one called Jola and one called Jer. Now, Jola, no, Tola, sorry, not Jola, Tola, whose name apparently means worm. So if you're thinking of, if you know anybody who's trying to name their kids at the moment, you might not want to call it uh, Tola, but Jer means he shines. Okay, he shines, so that's a much better name for a, for a child. Gideon was called by God. He tears down the altars to the idols, and the, and, and, and the Spirit of the Lord comes on him, prepares to battle, God gives him great victory. And that's where most talks finish on Gideon, about him at his peak, how God used a weak man to give great military success. And Gideon's in what I call the Hebrews Hall of Fame. Again, Mark, I think we might have that verse. Um, it's headed by faith. I'm just taking a little bit out of, of the verse. And what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell about Gideon and Barak. These were all commended for their faith, not, yet none of them received what had been promised. So Gideon's life is worth looking at. He's commended in Hebrews uh, for his faith. Um, and then he goes, you know, we, I'm going to refer to how he goes downhill. So we start coming to the end of the battle 
and they're chasing down the Midianites. They're trying to drive them out of the land. Midianites from the east, most of Israel's in the west, the Jordan's down the middle, and they're driving them, driving them out. And the first sort of little story that I'm going to refer to this morning is as they're, as they're chasing the Midianites, they come to a couple of cities, one called Succoth. There's lots of hard words in, uh, in, in Judges, aren't there? And one called Peniel. Um, these were grouping of Israelites. So they were all part of Israel, all sort of tribes, all occupying different areas of Israel, as perhaps you saw when I put those, uh, the, those, those plans up. And these are on the east of the Jordan. So they're driving them out, these 300, defeating the 120,000. And Gideon asked for help from the leaders of these cities. Um, and they didn't help him. He asked for some food, maybe somewhere to stay as they were as to sleep while they were driving down. They decided not to assist. And Gideon is absolutely furious. And he says, I will remember this. I will be back for, to, to, to sort of judge you for your uh, lack of gratitude. I, I think they didn't help him because they didn't believe that he was going to, that God was with him and that he would uh, defeat the Midianites. He does defeat the Midianites. He drives them out of the land and he comes back and he ruthlessly punishes the men of Succoth and Peniel. He pulls down a tower and he does all sorts of unpleasant things to people in Peniel. He doesn't seem to consult God about this. Do you remember when he consulted God? Remember his fleece that we read about? He seems to sort of now, you know, he's the, the, the seeds of his sort of downfall are now beginning to sort of show themselves. And this is mission creep. He's perhaps gone beyond what God had called him to do. Um, in sport, um, you often find that the most vulnerable time for a sports team or an individual sports person is after they've had a great uh, success, a victory. Uh, the, the feeling of complacency and perhaps a feeling of invincibility comes, comes in. Just back to that verse again. Uh, if you think you're standing firm, just be careful you don't fall. Gideon is seen as the man of power for the hour. He goes back to his, his, his hometown, and then we get this particular verse, Mark, if you could put that. The Israelites want him to rule over them. The Israelites said to Gideon, rule over us, you and your son and your grandson. So they want this hereditary monarchy to start uh, because you saved us out of the hand of Midian. But Gideon told them, I will not rule over you, nor will my son rule over you. The Lord will rule over you. He got it absolutely right. He was right. He did not want to be king. He said he didn't want to be king. And then something happens. He kind of walks a different road. So Mark, if you just put up the, um, the next slide. Only one verse later we read about what happens to Gideon. Gideon made the gold into an ephod which he placed in Ophrah. So Ophrah was his hometown. His, in Ophrah, his town. All Israel prostituted themselves by worshipping it there and it became a snare to Gideon and his family. So where did he get his gold from? He got the gold from, the, these were the sort of um, spoils of, of war. Um, apparently that the... the, the, the People that, that were defeated, the Midianites, they took the gold from them. This was an accepted practice. This was the, what you got after you uh, won the battle. And he, he, he managed to, there were 43 pounds of gold. And apparently in today's value, that's worth about 700,000 pounds. So all this gold was collected. 
and he made it into this ethot. And if, you think, if you're sitting there thinking, what the heck is an ethot? <laughs> Here is a, a picture. So this is a picture of the priest um, in Old Testament times. Um, in Leviticus and Exodus, there's a detailed description of what the priest was supposed to wear. So ethod, and ethod was part of that ceremonial dress that you can read about um, in the Old Testament. The, he, the high priest in those days was the only one allowed to go into God's presence to speak or hear. And the ephod was part of that ritual. It was what you put on to go into God's presence. So he seemed to be sort of mixing these things up. Saying, okay, I'll make the ephod uh, and that will, that will help me to hear what God's will is. And then worse still, they started to worship this, this ephod. The fleeces, the discerning of God's will, seemed to be long gone. And he makes a complete mess of it all. It's sort of reminiscent of the time of Moses when this golden calf was, was, was created. So all Israel prostituted themselves by worshipping it. This, this was spiritual um, adultery. And then furthermore, he then, he sort of, this is like acting like a king. Says he didn't want to be king, but acts like a king. And he, then he, had, he took many, many wives, which is another characteristic of sons in those days, and a concubine. Um, this sort of plural, uh, the, having lots of wives, was quite characteristic of, 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 of Old Testament um, individuals. But it never, ever really went well and unwise, as we'll, we'll see in, the, in a moment. He said he didn't want to be king, but he was living like a king. The land, it had 40 years peace, but it, wasn't, it was a compromised peace. Uh, an absence of God. So Gideon started really well, got military success, and then we, we, we see him um, going, 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 going backwards. Um, Gideon dies. The Israelites, back to your cycle again, did not uh, remember the Lord their God. And, and, and the Abimelech takes over. Abimelech is one of 70 sons. He had 70 sons. They had all his wives and 70 sons. Um, and the Abimelech um, was the son of Gideon's concubine who lived in Shechem, which was a, a, a village not far away. He forces himself forward. He gets financial support from people in his hometown to support his bid to rule. He uses it to hire men. He murders 70 of his brothers. It's horrific. It's absolutely horrific. And he rules for three years. So this um, hereditary monarchy. Um, so Gideon was ruling, operating like a king. Abimelech forces himself forward, rules for, for three years before God steps in, removes him. You can read all the detail of this. There's a lot of detail in Judges chapter 9, but I'm just um, summarizing it there. So disaster. Gideon finishes badly. Abimelech comes along, forces himself forward, rules really badly, and then he gets uh, removed. The wrong man from the start. Abimelech was the wrong man from the start. He forced himself forward and created chaos. And it just seems like during this period, where is God in all of this? He's absent. Abimelech is not raised up by God. He's a, a part of this hereditary monarchy that they're, 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 they're trying to... Uh, bring into being and there's no reference at all about God or seeking God or following God God just seems absent and then we get this 
just this sort of these brief references right at the end. Uh, two more judges come along. Tola rose to save Israel. Who was Tola uh, saving Israel from from themselves? They just it was a disaster. He was raised up, and the land had peace for 23 years, and then another peace for 22 years after that when Jair uh, became the judge. It seemed like God was absent, but God dealt with Abimelech and then introduced uh, peace into the land. God is slow to anger and bring his judgment. Gideon and Abimelech behaved like kings and poor kings. They were really poor examples. And arguably by the time they'd finished uh, being the kings, things were worse than before. Worse than before uh, Gideon had been raised up. Gideon was raised up for this particular task. Abimelech forced himself forward and until the last, uh, until the last two judges brought that peace. So quite a lot of information there. What do we learn from all of this? And I've got jotted down. What have I learned from uh, the the story of Judges um, so far. So a few points. Firstly, obedience to God is absolutely crucial. There are major consequences uh, for us if we don't obey God. The, the Israelites were told out, told to drive out these influences uh, from the land. There are major consequences if you uh, disobey God. And some people draw that analogy that, you know, as the Israelites were told to drive out these influences from the land, you know, we are, we should drive out the, the, the negative influences of sin from our lives. Secondly, God chooses the unlikely. Lots of unlikely people were raised up, um, and the success was not determined by their strength, as Nathan spoke about last week with Gideon, but by God's power. And God confirms his priorities with his presence and his power. Thirdly, God can redeem the worst circumstances and pure human decision-making. Um, so after we had, uh, he, he removed Abimelech and then he brought, that, brought the peace um, into the land. These judges were flawed. Um, like I said about, about Gideon, he, he was prepared to follow uh, God's call. He stuck his head above the parapet, he followed God, but there was, you know, he didn't finish well, he was flawed. We are flawed. Um, Sin and disobedience is messy. This is a messy series and has its consequences. Six, God is at work, even when it doesn't seem like he's at work. So, you know, God is just sort of waiting and will come in at the right time. The leaders rise and fall. We'll continue to sort of see the judges coming and going, and they're flawed. But throughout this process, God is faithful and is operating in the background. What about today? What is God saying through this particular story as we sort of focus in on these particular, as you bring the microscope in onto this particular element of the story? Gideon started his life well and he finished it badly. Abimelech was a complete disaster from the start, but God still brought peace into the land. And I sort of, I've been reflecting, thinking, why did, why did Gideon, he did so well, why did he finish badly and what can we learn from this and I've, I've nicked these two points from I can't uh, say that they're my, my points from a, a YouTube clip that I, uh, that I watched so from this YouTube clip Gideon reverted to types so two points why did he finish badly why wasn't he able to sort of keep going with God he finished badly 
He reverted to type. He regressed. So why do I say he reverted to type? He went back to... So there were these influences, these pagan influences from his family um, uh, that, that he, 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 he destroyed those altars, but he seemed to go back to them and in, and in creating this ethos, um, got back to worshipping idols. Um, and, and I take from that, we can't ignore our relationship with God. If we are not working on that relationship, then you know, it can go cool, and that can take us, um, take us back. His walk didn't match his talk. He said he didn't want to be king, and yet he was behaving like one. He seemed to go back to his um, pagan family background. It sort of makes you think, um, what about the influences in our lives? Are there, what influences are, do we, are we allowing to, 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 to come into our lives? Are we allowing influences that perhaps you would overcome years ago? If you've been a Christian for many years, you sort of think, well, yeah, I, I've managed to deal with that particular element of my life. I, I, is, is it possible that it's, it, you know, it could come... Come, come back again. Um, maybe he never saw faith modelled in his family. So he, certainly his fathers you know, used to run these, um, these his idol things. Um, what influences did he have on his, on his life? Um, those influences weren't good. He managed to destroy those. But it made me sort of think, what influences do we allow in our lives? You know, are, are we taking on influences in our lives that will affect uh, our walk with God? And what kind of influence was Gideon? His son, this, uh, he had 70 sons. Uh, Abimelech was the one that rose up. Um, he, he, was not, he was not good. Um, what kind of influence are, are, are we amongst the people around us uh, in, 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 way, in the way we, we, we spend our time and our money? Does God want to speak to us about what kind of, how we are influenced and who we influence? Um, the next thing I thought, thought, thought about was did Gideon just get weary? Did he just get tired of it all? He was raised up as a military leader, sort of thinking, you know, okay, I've done that job. I don't really want to be the person uh, leading you now. I've, I've done what God's called me to do. Maybe he just got weary. And what about us? Do we, do we get weary of, our, uh, 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 of something? Or, or are we sort of tapping into God's spirit and saying, yeah, I'm still here. I'm still ready to be filled by your spirit for what you want me to do? Did he just get weary? So maybe he reverted to type. And then secondly, maybe he believed his hype. Um, he, 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 he got, you know, it was like the success. I have achieved this. I deserve this. We've got this fantastic military success. We've got rid of the enemy. So I deserve some reward for this. You know, I can operate as a king, do whatever I like. Is that a danger for us that we're, you know, been walking with God for many years, that we sort of suddenly think that we've done it ourselves. We must not forget God's grace. We are saved by grace in our failure, in our success. We are saved by grace on day one, day 101, day 1001. It's the same thing. We, we cannot earn our salvation. We are saved by grace all the time. And I just had this, this, this picture I shared it at our encounter meeting uh, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, most of you will know that I work in construction. And in construction, foundations are just absolutely so important. And, 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 and this picture I got was that you need foundations on a daily basis. I know in construction, you put your foundations in and then you're building 
stands. But as, as, as people who walk with God, our foundations need to be in good shape every day. If our foundations are weak, then the building might fall. And what are our foundations? I believe that God said that our foundations are God's word. Speaking to God in prayer, meeting with us, trying to hear from God. We need to have these foundations down on a daily basis. The strength of our individual foundations and our walk with God determines our strength as believers. It determines the strength of the church. It can affect your family. It can affect the next generation in relation of Gideon and Abimelech. These foundations are needed every day. And if you think you're standing firm, be careful you don't fall. So let's get these foundations down on a daily basis. We can never forget God's grace. So how do we avoid finishing badly like Gideon uh, did? By walking closely with the good and gracious King Jesus. Um, the Israelites, they had this constant desire for a, for a, for a king. Um, right the way through the book of Judges, um, the author seems to say, things wouldn't have been so bad if only we had had a king. Well, they would. They would have been bad. When they got kings, which we read about in the book of Kings later on, these were often failed, flawed, faithless kings, um, good kings, bad kings, self-elected kings, all failed to bring a lasting peace to the land of Israel. The only way to true peace comes many years later through King Jesus, the king who invites us on a daily walk with him and who breaks the chains of type. So I talk about reverting back to type. That's what happened to, to Gideon. And there is a danger for us to revert back um, to type and sort of, uh, issues uh, in our lives that we think, oh, I've defeated that, and then it sort of comes back again. But I'm here to tell you this morning that Jesus can break these chains of type. Again, I've got this sort of picture of if you're kind of constantly repeating these things, or oh, David's re reverting back to type, there is a big bolt cutter that can break the chains of type available through Jesus. Forgiveness is available to us on day one, Day 101, day 1001. Time and time again, King Jesus invites us to enjoy a walk with him and to be with him. And that's the really the only way to bring lasting, constant peace in our lives. They wanted peace in the land. They got it from time to time. We want peace in our lives. If we've got that relationship with God through what Jesus has done, we can have that peace in our lives on a daily basis. So will we... Nathan's going to lead us in communion now. Will we come again to King Jesus this morning to receive his grace and ask for his spirit in our lives once again so we can live out our true identity in Christ? Will we learn the lessons of Gideon who started well, finished badly, and I do feel a little bit sorry for Gideon that we're analyzing his life like this and put into place this kind of that picture of that correction? You know, is there some corrective measures that we need to put into place in our lives so that we don't become weary and fall. That's all I wanted to say this morning. I'm going to pray and then I'm going to hand over to Nathan and we're going to uh, celebrate uh, communion. So Father, just I want to stand here this morning. I just want to say thank you for your word. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for King Jesus. I just pray that for each one of us this morning that we would come again uh, before you, Lord. And, 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 and just want to say 
Thank you, Father, that you break these, these chains of, of type and you've done it through the Lord Jesus. Just pray for your spirit will just descend on us now as we celebrate communion. Amen. Thank you for listening.